Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow mule to an elderflower martini to a white Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. Hello, friends, and welcome to 2021. It's pretty crazy how time has blown, but I am excited to get back to the first podcast of the year, and thank you for joining in another year of listening along. Um, so yeah, today's cocktail, if you want to make, super easy, and I just thought it was like light and fresh and not very sweet. I did not add any um, extra sugar to it, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, a couple of raspberries, and then you're going to muddle those with um, like about a half an ounce of lime juice. I mean, you can do more or less to taste. It's pretty tart. Um, and then an ounce and a half of Tito's vodka. And you just shake that up with ice in a shaker. Pour it into whatever glass that you like. As you'll see, we have these like skull-shaped um, cup glasses. <laughs> I guess tumblers. Anyway, super easy. Uh, uh, pour it over ice and then you're going to top it off with ginger ale or ginger beer, whatever your preference is. Um, super refreshing, not very sweet and really good. And my guest today is one of my favorite people around. Um, sadly, she's not around in Orlando anymore, but, um, one of my absolute dearest and nearest friends, uh, is Kate King. And I have known her for 15 years and she's one of my dearest friends and a little bit off the beaten path of our normal, uh, interviews, but it was so fun for me. So that's what I'm going to do. And we chat so many things, uh, especially Enneagram slash Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Um, anyway, so welcome back and thank you for listening along. I hope that you quite enjoy this. Hey, Kate. Welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for me being here. <laughs> well, you <laughs> and you, you placed it very conveniently in my house. Right. So. There's no <laughs> avoiding it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are drinking slash quasi drinking today um, as we do and as we've done for many a years in our skull glasses. Skull murder mugs. Yeah. Cheers. To cheers, skull murder mugs. Where did you get these? Germany, I think. Mm. Yeah, someplace that was very tattooed and graffiti and gothic a bit. Okay, so I thought these were fitting. Right. I don't know if we've watched any German crime shows. Shows. Though. I don't think we have. I don't think so either. We've kept it very, very British. Very British. So we're drinking uh, Tito's muddled raspberries. Well, I'm drinking Tito's. Here's the Sans Tito's, but uh, muddled raspberries, lime juice, and ginger ale. And it's pretty tasty, I would say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a podcast where you have to like say words out loud. Ugh. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hear what you're saying, but, um, so I'm very excited. This is my first podcast of the year. Um, and it's a little bit different because we're not in Orlando interviewing Orlando folks, but it is my podcast and I do what I want. So I get to have a chat with one of my nearest and dearest friends in Naples, Florida, in Naples, Florida. The capital of grandparents. Old people. Old people. God's waiting room. Uh, strip malls. Oh, so many strip malls. So, all of the, I think they somehow all, all the developers just got together and said, okay, our, our no plan. No stairs, no elevators. We're just going to make all first floor First shops. floor. Yeah. As far as the eye can see. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <gasps> oh, well, yeah, here we are in Naples, but you have been were an Orlando win for many months, 15 years. Yeah. So I have known you since 2006. We're now in 2021. If my math serves me correctly, that's 15 years. Dang. Yeah. Dang. Dang. That is many moons. So I think the funnest part is... Yeah, I guess how long we've known each other. Oh, by the way, I'm Kate. Hi. Yes. Kate, nice Kate King Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. All right. So what things do we have to talk about? We have to talk about, I guess, how we first initially met was... Boring. Boring. Next. Next. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So currently you're not drinking, but if you were drinking... What would, like, your go-to drink would be... Alcohol. A white wine. Ugh. I mean, an alcohol? I'll, <laughs> I'll have an alcohol, please. All, three alcohols. <laughs> <laughs> white wine is definitely my go-go juice. That's right? basically my Red Bull. Um, but now you actually drink Red Bull. <sighs> Gosh. An emergency only if I have to get it together at work. Um... Uh, I don't know that I necessarily had like a preferred, I think at the end of my days, it was really just probably like vodka and Sprite nice. Um, like I was kind of, I was never really a big cocktail sweetness person. Obviously Tito's. Amazing. Amazing. Here we are. With Tito's ice cubes in a Tito's cup. 
Yeah. Um, white wine, had a gin phase. Uh-huh. Um, As you should. Yeah. Gosh, gin. Yeah, it wasn't too, wasn't too picky. Right. Just as long as you, they brought you an alcohol. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. More on the alcohol, less on the other things. <laughs> now is not uh, the time for alcohol in your life. And so you were on a Pedialyte gig <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and that stuff is expensive. That was really expensive. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I stopped that. <laughs> the grape, whatever the grape. That so good. <laughs> so, <laughs> grape Pedialyte. You just pound a Pedialyte or two yeah. after work. It's very dehydrated. Mm -hmm. I think that was a result of all the coffees and Red Bulls at work. And then and not eating enough, home. and then right. you just replenish yeah. all of your electrolytes. Yeah. Damn. Good lord. <clears throat> okay, so we normally talk about people's story, which you can just give me a very abbreviated version of like you grew up in New York, correct? New Jersey. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Very abbreviated. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up there and then you landed in Orlando in 2000. Nope, not 2000. 2000-ish. Uh, yeah. Went to college for criminal profiling and political science. At UCF? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I did a year of seminary before I got, before I left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, this is not for me. And then I, uh, yeah, I was in Orlando for a bit and then moved to Naples for work. And I'm currently here trying to keep cool in Naples, but I hate the sun and the beach and warm weather. Perfect so. place, perfect spot for you, right? <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Location. So looking forward to my next house in Wyoming <laughs> any day now. Jackson Hole. Mm. Here we come. Yep. What do you do here in this lovely town of Naples? I work for a hotel conglomerate. Yeah. No joke. I okay. I hope you didn't say my last name on this podcast. I think I did. Damn it. Yeah. So yes, I work Are you wanted? in the travel industry um, and I have a high pressure sales job, which is like the worst thing ever for my personality type, but somehow I make it work. Um, you do make it work. I might be the only introvert in sales in my sales company. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah. Okay. So instead of story, <clears throat> I thought we would take this opportunity to talk about, we would give a comprehensive, uh, offering to people of one thing that we have done over so many years is watch crime shows Exhaustively. Exhaustively. Yeah. I think we have exhausted most all good crime shows. As, as as proven by our last two that we've watched. Yeah. They're it's like getting sparse. Yeah. Yeah. I think last year I gave you a list of all the shows. I went back through my Netflix history and found and I think Hulu too, I like literally printed out which you wrote you it do, out. Which is really interesting. So Netflix will actually give you a printout of all the things that you've watched. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we, I don't know how we stumbled upon that, but we both had a love We started with The Misfits. That was great. That was, that was very memorable. One of the few times, times I've seen you drunk <laughs> <laughs> because I got you Very, so drunk. very drunk. <laughs> watching Misfits. <laughs> and then we moved on to other British dramas. Yeah, so I think we have a love for slow, moody, rain-filled um, dread inspiring vistas featuring a few corpses. Yeah. 
murder. I like that about us. And then of course the best thing about it is my, my famous murder pasta. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which consists of pasta and sauce and fake chicken. A certain type of sauce now. A certain type of fake chicken. A certain type of fake chicken. Yeah. And I'd like to also take this opportunity to plug Tony Adams Mill Valley pasta. 100%. We ate last night. Yes. Which is now our murder Tony pasta. Yeah. I think maybe what we're doing from here on out. Yeah. So you can check him out at Mill Valley pasta. If you put that in the Google to probably come up with hopefully a Tony Adams. Yeah, he probably has a fans only account too. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you can find him or not is a mystery. <laughs> Surprise. Plug. Plug. Send me free pasta, Tony. Oh, <laughs> uh, we love that pasta. We love our friends doing so many good things. That love is a strong word. He's okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's great. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Boston. I have to give him crap. Oh so yeah, gosh. so we do murder pasta, we do crime shows. We used to do cocktails. We used to do cocktails. Uh, we do vintage. We yep. do Enneagram versus Myers-Briggs. Yes, we are going to get into, I mean, that's why we're here basically is to talk about the Enneagram versus Myers-Briggs. <clears throat> Coming from the expert. Um, okay, so some of our favorites, I mean, I think at the top of my list is Broadchurch. <laughs> The British version, there was three seasons. The first two were the best, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Ellie. Ellie's always, her face is always great. It's just phenomenal. Yep. Yep. She's awesome. And Ireland, right? Scotland, Ireland? No. Wales? The beach in England. Definitely still England. Edinburgh? Just somewhere off by the coast. Okay. Yeah. Coastal? The part of England that's not London. It's, yeah, you think? Definitively not London. No. Yeah. I really like Dr. Foster. Dr. She Foster. That shit crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. She's just loses it in a, in a myriad of, of great ways. Um, Continually. The fall. The fall. First two seasons again. The fall, the show, TV show, not the movie. There's yes. a movie called the fall. Yeah. This is uh Jillian Anderson mm-hmm. X files. And the guy from 50 Shades sadly, of because he was excellent in this show, Jamie Jordan. Yeah. And then he went on to do Fifty Shades of Grey, which I think is a disgrace to all writing and yeah, but television. You know what? If someone wanted to movie, give me $20 million, you would oblige. I probably would have played his part in Fifty Shades of Grey as well. <laughs> <laughs> that would have turned into a very different movie. Probably a better one. <laughs> probably a better one. <laughs> if you had written the screenplay, that would have been... All sorts of wonderful. <laughs> Better than what it was. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Side note, Kate is also a highly sought after screen, sc- screenplay writer. <laughs> highly sought after by the IRS for not paying her taxes for all the TV shows and movies she worked on. <laughs> That's well, that what's too. seeking me now. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, very talented. Hmm. Okay, we've got Broadchurch, Dr. Foster, The Fall. Up there would be... The Informer. The Informer was good. Uh, yeah. The Bodyguard. Oh, The Night Manager. That was The Night Manager. One. That was a little bit different because was... it was more of a spy than a murder. Mm-hmm. But I like that. The Night Manager was great. Bodyguard was good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Killing was very long. 
Joel Kinnaman, though. Uh, amazing. He was amazing. Yep. Yep. He was fantastic. And then we've had to um, move on to some lesser known works of art, like Cardinal, which is I, okay. I barely remember, remember that one. About it. Yeah. Right. No. It was with the guy from The Rocketeer. Yep. Yep. In a very cold mm. place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not really ringing a bell there. There's, okay. There have been some slogs. <gasps> Marcella. Oof, Marcella. Let's not even bring up Marcella Gate. Yeah. So we watched the first season together, which I don't remember a whole lot, but it was, I'm sure, fine. And then the second season, your uh, podcaster, Dana, swore up and down we watched together, which we did We not. did. We did I not. thought I remember watching we it. Did not. Together. Uh, and then we started on the third one, and the third one is just that shit Awful. crazy. Um, good wig, though. I like the wig. Yeah. But series three was garbage. Yeah. So if anyone knows of any other British, British, we are murders, always up kind of, for. Yeah, we're running out. Yeah, yeah, we've got. The we've looked on. We we even accessed Acorn. Yep. If you are into BBC dramas, Acorn. We watched The Victim. Something good. something along those lines. Really bad teeth. Um. Good writing. Bad teeth. Good writing. Bad teeth. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's so many others that we've watched over the years. I should have brought, brought the list. Have brought the list. <laughs> I have the list mm. in my home in Orlando, in Orlando, Florida. But man, Misfits was was a great. It wasn't a British crime in a in a classic way, but. Well, I would disagree. I'd say that probably the third and fourth season was a British crime because it was so bad. So, Damn. yeah. Whereas the first two Too was brilliant. A, a British royal jewel. Right. Yeah. Amazing show. <laughs> I guess that was awesome. Amazing. Amazing show. Yeah. And then they tried to do it in America. And why do we do that? They tried to do Broadchurch in America. Ooh. They tried to do the Misfits. You know, I think we got the office. I mean, we so did. Right. We did get we the, got office. the office so right that we yeah. just kind of keep hoping that we can nail it again. And it's just, yeah, we can just. Mm-mm. We need to leave BBC to do what BBC does best. I mean, I think we should redo Harry Potter for sure. I oh think it's time. Lord, yeah. Let's let's set let's it in just, Ohio, uh-huh. maybe um, with American accents for sure. Yes, or maybe you get the British people to pretend to have an American accent. That would also be (laughs) a crime against humanity. (laughs) Against Britain. High treason Mm -hmm. against Britain. Good Lord. No, thank you. So we used to have Sunday night murder night, but then um, this young lady moved. So now we can do it whenever we can. But we're always up for a good BBC. We just need more content at this point. We also need a good murder tour. So I have looked in trying to see yeah. if there's some sort of guided tour through England where it can just be like eight days of like murder. Eight days of murder. Yeah. And yeah. there's really nothing like that. <clears throat> so this might be a business opportunity for us. Maybe we can start a murder tour of England. I'm in. I'm yeah. up. Yeah. (laughs) In the summer. (laughs) We've never been there, but we're going to, yeah, we're definitely going to take money from people to do this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've been to London. Yeah. 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 We make it up. Yeah. It'll work. So we're going to go to not London. 
Yeah, and, <laughs> and have a whole itinerary around. Uh, yep. Yeah. We just watched. Wow. I mean, I should, we should know because we literally just watched it last night. One, we, oh, one of us was the British term for it. Retribution. Retribution. And then the other one was one of us. No, the one of us was the UK British, is the UK title and you can find it on retribution on Netflix. There we go. It was resoundingly okay. Yeah. Six. I think we gave it a six. Yeah, we gave it a six. Maybe 6.5 stretch. Yeah. If I was drinking, it would have been a seven. <laughs> that's that why, that's why you have to have, <laughs> have sobriety to be able to give a real honest opinion. You know, on... I watched Elf Sober for the first time. <gasps> I've never seen. I mean, I've seen the second half of that movie, but I've never seen the second half of that movie. It was good. Aren't you glad you did? Yeah. We also watched that together. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Gosh, I freaking love Elf. That is the best. So, so good. Mm-hmm. Just like this drink. So good. Um, so anyway, that is a big part of our story. Some good old-fashioned British murder mysteries. And who, I guess, knows what will come next. Maybe you can write something. Or maybe we just need to start with the Danish. They're a bloodthirsty lot. That's true. Yeah. Borgen, I think, was one. Hinterland? Hinterland is still in English. Still in English? Yeah. Borgen's not. Okay. I have to do some research. What's good out there? Mm. And or if you have any suggestions, let us know. Love to know. Yeah, we'll critique them on air. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite subjects is the Enneagram and one of your sub favorite subjects is Myers-Briggs. Yes. Also so, known as the better version of the Enneagram. I don't know that I would, uh, agree with that. I mean, the CIA uses so, it. So, so, well, you don't know that they don't use the Enneagram. They don't. So yeah. They use well, Myers-Briggs. You don't know that. That is not that is classified information. <laughs> Let's ask the Google. <laughs> That's um, so these are both personality categorizers in ways of helping humans to be able to know themselves on a deeper level and to be able to suss out how to interact well with other humans as well. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I have found it very helpful. Both things. I was definitely very into Myers-Briggs. I still am. I think it's a hugely helpful tool. And the Enneagram came along probably in my life, probably four years ago, three or four years ago. But I've known the Enneagram for probably 10 plus years in that way. So would you give us like an overview of Myers-Briggs and then all of the letters and what they mean? Sure. Um, so Myers-Briggs is a, a personality theory assessment um, that was strung together by two women in the 50s, 60s, maybe. So one of the reasons why a lot of bro dudes don't like it is because women thought of it. Good Lord. Um, so it. Uh, one thing I like about it is that it, it 
it's never definitively one or the other. So it gives you percentages um, between uh, 16, there's 16 letters, but there's basically um, eight sort of two ring tables, I guess. So introvert and extrovert, which is how you gain energy, but also I think how you communicate. So some people can gain energy by being around others, but they still necessarily don't talk through their problems with other people. Um, so introversion, extroversion will give you a number about how introverted or how extroverted you may be. And that will change over time. Um, I think the next one is really what blew my mind the most is learning about the difference between being intuitive and sensing. So sensors are the vast majority of people. And these are folks that kind of are, are very present in the here and now their thoughts and, and their assessments of the world are based on what they can kind of see and hear and feel. And intuitives are a little bit more long-term thinking, um, uh, chess players, I guess would probably be an easy way of, of thinking about it. Chess versus checkers is kind of how I mm. think about intuitives and sensors. Um, and then thinking and feeling. Uh, and then the last one is probably the one that's the worst named, which is judging and perceiving. And um, judging is not a, a value judgment for that word. It's just somebody who kind of basically has their stuff together, um, you know, adheres to rules and takes information until they've come to the answer and then moves on to the next thing. Whereas perceivers are, uh, constantly collecting information, um, or just very sort of open-minded to any changes or any things that might happen generally tend to be a little bit messier. Um, so all those things kind of, when you take the test, it, it strings together four words, four letters rather that, uh, lead you to a type that's usually pretty spot on. So I do, there's a guy running around Orlando who thinks I'm psychic because I figured out that he was an ENFP and then I told him all about himself. So I think last time I saw him, he was like, so I'm thinking about getting a new job. What do you think about that? And I was like, well, you're going to have like 10 more because you're an ENFP. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> so, he was like, wait was like, a minute. Um, so yeah. So I being, being an INTP, which are kind of like the, the nerdy, socially awkward ones kind of the philosophers or whatnot. Um, I never really understood why people kind of seem generally offended by me. So you and me both. Yeah. Wow. So when I drink to that, when I read about Myers-Briggs, I got it. I was like, Oh, people mm. need eye contact or they want to hear like hello and goodbye things that never make my radar of importance. Um, so it was very, very helpful for me. So I memorized it. And so when I met somebody, I could usually figure out what they were and then kind of, if I needed to change my communication style or um, do something different. So it's been very, very helpful in my friendships and seeing what personality types I'm attracted to, the ones that I would like to stay away from, the ones that are going to perceive me correctly or incorrectly. Hmm. So it's been a good way of basically hacking friendships and relationships for me. Okay. Which is a very INTP thing to say. Right. <laughs> yeah. INTP is introverted, intuitive, Thinking, perceiving. Thinking, perceiving. Yeah. Right. And then on Enneagram, I'm a five. five. Yeah. Wing, maybe four. four. Yeah. Yeah. Five wing four. Five wing four. So on Mars Briggs, I would identify with ENTJ, extroverted, intuitive, thinking. Judging. Yeah. So I want to say probably ours are the two least likely to be female. Hmm. INTP. I don't know what ENTJ is, but I know INTP is less than like one or 2% female, um, less than one or 2% male as well. But um, ENTJs are maybe 
maybe a little bit more, but ENTJ females are pretty rare. Right. Um, because that's not how we are socialized to be typically. Huh. How do you think how you're socialized um, plays into how your personality forms? I think um, it's a matter of what's accepted. Uh, and if you kind of align yourself with it, I guess. So it's not, um, so INTP males are overwhelmingly like ill dressed and it's kind of the archetypical guy who lives in his mom's basement who like plays video games and is on Reddit espousing paranoid conspiracy theories. That's an INTP at like our worst and, and female INTPs would never be allowed to do that shit. Like that's not at all a six, like an acceptable female venture. So, um, female INTPs are very typically very different from the typical male INTP and the fact that we can't get away with just being that bizarre. So it's just generally a little bit more uh, probably brisk. Um, you have to like formulate ways of like interacting with you have to, yeah, society. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, there are certainly some people in my life that would find it shocked that I'm, um, an introvert cause I am in sales and I can be boisterous on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a matter of, you know, I, I can see where I've been socialized to the point where I have to do those things in order to come across successfully to certain people. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, overwhelmingly women are ESFJs, which is the typical, you know, church type lady, very busy and oriented and, and has her stuff together and is running around doing a million things. It's probably like 40. I'm, I'm making up these numbers, but like a vast majority of women are ESFJs, I'd say like in the thirties or forties because they, do you think because they have been expected to be, or because that's like the passion of their heart? Who knows? Um, I think that that is the mold that society tries to fit most women in. Mm-hmm. Um, and some fit it and some don't like the helper. Yeah. The helper. Yeah. That's the ESFJ. Um, and most men are ESTJs, which is I think most likely like kind of the cop, the coach, you know, the kind of, these are the rules, authorities, they like traditions, you know? Yeah. I'm bored thinking about it. Right. (laughs) Um, so one thing that I did want to bring you on to chat about was, uh, you were talking about kind of like decoding, like dating along Mm -hmm. the Myers-Briggs spectrum in life, which I am always interested in. So what are your thoughts on like, how have you, you've had like several long-term relationships, partners with mm-hmm. people that you've, you know, found to be, um, a good match, good partnership with you, with your personality. Cause you know, I think that at the beginning, it's like everyone has like the responsibility to know themselves well, um, mm-hmm. and how they, um, what they need from obviously relationships or just in friendships and just what they need out of life and how they operate so they can, operate successfully in the world at their jobs, at their, in their families, in their friendships. Like if you don't, we don't have a place to understand our own personalities, then we probably also don't know what we need and or are looking for in friendships and or partnerships, which is why people get themselves probably in trouble a lot. Yeah. I am a very big believer in, um, again, in, in Myers-Briggs and and the caveat is everyone's like, well, I don't fit in any box. And and I think that's the difference with taking the test and you have percentages and you can see kind of what you're closer to, but I think it's a really, really, really great cheat sheet in terms of the personalities that you should pursue in a romantic relationship and those that you should stay away from. 
because a lot of it is a lot of Myers-Briggs is personality, but some is just sort of character and values. Um, so I, where does character and values fall along in the spectrum? Um, I think character in terms of, uh, how rigid you're going to be to a moral structure, um, how likely mm-hmm. you are to be religious, how likely you are to be traditional. Um, mm-hmm. Neither of those things would do all well with me. Um, so, so how likely you are to want to try new things or not, you know, so those are all kind of ways where when you know what personality type you are and the type that you're attracted to, it's a way of kind of shortcutting the inevitable this doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. And not to say that, you know, you can take two types and they're automatically going to hit off because that may not be the case. But in my very small sample study, it's been pretty dang effective. So I um, found that ENFJs were a perfect match for me. In fact, Isabella Myers or Isabella Briggs, one of the girls was a an ITP. And when she kind of was working through the ENFJ archetype, she realized that that would be also a, a pretty great match for her as well. So, um, ENFJ males are, um, I think generally pretty wonderful, kind of like ENFP females. I think that most people would want to be with them. Like they're interesting, they're warm, they're affectionate. Um, they are long thinking. I mean, they're just a, a all around kind of great type. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they also like to be challenged. So that is something that I can bring to the table pretty effectively. So I like them and I, I know that they're going to like me. So it works out that most, do you think that most women types like to be challenged? No, ENFJs, ENFJ likes a challenge, um, which an INTP female certainly would be. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, so I think that that has been, when I kind of realized that it got to the point in dating where I would actually have someone take Myers-Briggs before I went out with them. So I met a very uh, lovely, wonderful man that way. And we were together for a couple of years um, and decided to part ways and had a really cool um, farewell tour, traveled around that for was, a couple months. That was a Went our very ways. interesting uh, breakup, um, like sequence of events that I've never yeah. really great. seen before. Yeah, it was a breakup it, tour. We did, we did a farewell tour. It was <laughs> farewell awesome. tour. It was great. So, um... So, and I think one of the things I do like about ENFJs is that I do need somebody who is, um, who is more emotional than me or emotional, um, (laughs) but not someone who is going to be kind of carried away in a torrent of falling off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when we decided that four on the Enneagram, is that what that is? Oh, INFPs. Oh yeah. Yeah. The fours are fours are a lot. Live in their emotions. At my most depressed, yes. I would test as an INFP. Mm-hmm. I just I can't do it with class. <laughs> there are some classy INFPs out there, and I was not one of them. <laughs> so um, yeah. So uh, and then a couple months after we uh, had a farewell tour, a oh, couple sorry. a month and a half, <laughs> I met another ENFJ, and it was I was done. So so yeah, still going strong going yeah but so so i think you know again knowing about enfjs um infjs could maybe happen entjs for sure um so i think in the future if i had to be with somebody it would be an enfj or an entj exclusively only it'd be very difficult because you know infjs i always you know infjs are incredibly rare Uh, they comprise the majority though i think of like the really close friendships i've had with men um 
but I still would struggle to be in a relationship with somebody who is, can give you 20 minutes of logic about their decision on anything, but the last sentence is going to be because I feel that way. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. So do you need it to, to end with that's because what science says? Yes. Because Google told me. Uh huh. Because Google told me. Because the New Yorker said. Okay. That is how things should end. <laughs> so. So um, feelings have no part in correct. the decision making. Yeah. No, no. I, I think I think what's funny to me about INFJs is that they are the most emotionally <clears throat> logical type, or logically emotional, maybe, and so they they have these logical dissertations, but it's really just because they feel that way. <laughs> like that's not. They, you can't but change can their you mind. Have any you cannot change the mind of an INFJ. Right. No amount no. of logic will change their mind. They're, they're also most in. likely to be psychic. They're they're extremely set in their um in their ways of thinking. And that's what you are. No, that no, would be sorry. an INFJ. Would be um, Glare Mays, an INFJ. Okay. Cooper Brinson would be an INFJ. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I have a few other guy friends that we would know, but I can't remember their names right now. So yeah, those are those types, kind of the moody poets. Moody. Oh, I mean, you don't have to tell me. I have many mo moody poets in yeah. my life. Yeah. Yeah. And so your partner currently is, tell me one more time. E E N F E N F J, but his F and T are really close. So he's, um, um, he is, a good balance between an ENFJ and ENTJ. Does he make you feel annoyed? <laughs> no, he's great. Oh my feelings. god! <laughs> <laughs> feel some feelings yes. sometimes. Yes, bring you back to the earth reality. There is an emotion there. He's a good romantic colleague. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Romantic colleague. That's nice. Yep. Nice to have one of those. <sighs> so. You're saying having people take a test before you go out on a date with somebody is a good way to screen them to know. Yeah. 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 And I think, and I, I know it sounds silly, you know, it sounds very like horoscopy and I don't know much about the horoscope, but, um, you know, I remember there was a guy that I was chatting with and he was an ESFJ, um, which is super close and, and S's are 75% of the population. So intuitives mm -hmm. are really hard to get. And I think one of the things that was so special about the, the community that we were friends with in our early twenties was the overwhelmingly, um, large amount of N's. Mm -hmm. Um, and when people kind of leave Orlando and they're like, Orlando's so special. I feel like what they're talking about is the intuitives that there are so many folks that wanted to have kind of um, deeper conversations that were consequential thinkers, um, that were really, uh, emotionally empathic is also a big thing with NFs. Um, that's really special. Most people are, you know, SFs and STs and, and they definitely make the world go round, but those are folks that, that like to talk about people's place, people, places, and things. Um, and NFs and NTs like to talk about ideas and processes and, mm -hmm. Um, possibilities. So there's a place for both. Um, sure. but I think when an N meets another N, there's always kind of a spark of like, Oh, I know you feel at home. Yeah. You do feel a little bit more yeah. at home. Um, <clears throat> so I, so I think when you, you know, when I was chatting with a, a guy that was an ESFJ, I, you know, I was like, man, I know you're going to be overwhelmingly kind and you're going to be able to get things done, but you're going to be really annoyed with my rambling on about things. Um, and I'm not going to be too interested in hearing about, you know, 
the car you're working on or sports balls or, <laughs> um, you know, like, it's just, that's not, it, I just, I just knew that that was not going to work. Right. Um, so, so I think when you, when you kind of have it, if you, if you know that, and I also think one of the interesting things about taking the test and, and kind of seeing if you can get your friends to do it is you'll find ley lines in your own relationships and you'll see that you are, you know, overwhelmingly attracted to, you know, friends that are this certain personality type or men that are a certain personality type mm-hmm. and you see what your parents are. And I just think it, it gives a language to something that seems really, um, diaphanous and, and sort of like, you know, walking around in the dark, hoping to God you fall in love, like you trip over a rock and you wake up married. Um, so I think that what I like about most theory structures um, and knowledge is it, it kind of shows you a way forward and gives you a little bit more control and understanding mm-hmm. of the mechanics of people and personalities and what you like and what you don't like. And mm-hmm. I'm sure certain people can take it too far. Um, so again, I, in the very small, not leaving group, any room for mystery yeah, or magic. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, a if an ISFP wanted to stroll in and sweep me off my feet, that would be utterly ridiculous. But, but uh, you don't, that's not the case at the moment. No, no. But if it happens, I'll let you know. Okay. I think it's so, so, so helpful to, I feel like me being a person that just like is very direct, want to get to the point and want to like have know the outcome and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to waste my time. And that's just me. I don't really entertain a lot of people that I kind of can sift through some of these filters to know like, yeah, you might be cute, whatever. But really on the back end, it's like, what is the longevity of like starting something with somebody? If I know there's not these building blocks to like build a very foundational, um, you know, relationship in that way and or friendships, like different friendships that you have and like having to like, I think with Myers-Briggs and with the Enneagram, it's like so helpful for me to know kind of the inner workings of like, um, and I have always been somebody that has had a hard time understanding where people are coming from and why they do the things that they do because I want people to operate like how I would in my brain or how like I see some similar friends kind of like make some of these choices, which I can understand. And then other friends or family or whatever, I'm like, I just, we are on different like wavelengths. Um, Mm -hmm. But understanding why maybe that they're built very differently and, or maybe they've been socialized differently in, in those ways that there is room to like have grace for them. And like, we are in the yeah. world, right? We have to have relationships. Like you deal with probably a lot of different personalities at your job and um, how we interface with people. And I think the fear also sometimes with personality types is I, is people like, well, that's just how I am. And that was, um, that should never be kind of the answer. Uh, and I think one of the things that was really liberating when I understood my type and started kind of going through their folks is seeing how I should, um, how I should change, you know, and how mm. I know that I have to be aware of my, um, constant need to disconnect from, from people and places and things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I will go up to my romantic colleague and say, hello, do you need affection? Hello. Do you need me to look into your eyes while you talk about photography? (laughs) (laughs) So I, so I don't want to just, 
be like, Oh, well, I'm just this way. Like, you know, so, so I think it's, it's been really good for me to remember that I, I do have to, um, work harder at certain parts of a relationship, um, because I am lacking a little bit there. So it's a muscle mm-hmm. that I have to use and exercise. And then also it's really nice to know that there are some friendships where I just, I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to work as hard to maintain it or to be understood by, by people. And I think that's one of the reasons why you and I have stayed so, so good at friends consistently is that we've never offended each other or really mm. misunderstood each other. Oh, have I offended you? <laughs> <laughs> what have you not offended me? <laughs> but I'm very loyal. <laughs> well, you've never offended me, <laughs> but I'm pretty hard to offend. That's probably not true, but, um, I think that's actually a good segue into the Enneagram because he discovered the Enneagram and for me, it was like a very helpful thing to see it almost down on paper as a way of seeing like a wraparound of my personality type and the way that I was um, kind of built in that way. But it really gave me some language around like unhealth and health. So like when I'm stressed out, when I'm heading towards like bad places, um, it kind of gave me like a roadmap to like see those things. Like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm healthy, like here's kind of like, here are the ways that I'm moving towards. Like I'm, I move towards the helper. Like I actually do really love that. And then when I'm stressed out, I want to isolate. I want to like not open up to anybody. I want to be by myself. I want to shut things off. Um, and it gave me a, uh, kind of like a a strategy ish, but like kind of some like markers to look out for, um, which maybe I hadn't been as aware of like, Hey, like you, we all have blind spots and having these people go before me to like lay it all out and have all the history and tradition and, um, you know, studying just like the human psyche and to be able to lay out where, where it's not like I'm pigeonholed into this one thing and you're only this and you're, you're going to react like this every time. Like we are humans, but it really does give us this kind of like framework to how often either in different, like thinking or feeling how those people will react oftentimes like in those situations or in those roles. So Mm -hmm. when I see myself or when I see other people going down these roles, like when they're stressed out, then I can say, Hey, I can see you better. I can know you better. I can love you better. Um, I can love myself better. Uh, and it gave me just a better language of how, how we live in our bodies. Um, you know, some people like are very, like, you know, in their heads all the time. And that's not me, right? Like I just feel things and I do things and I do it instinctively. Um, some people are in their emotions, con- like they live in their emotions constantly. Um, having that perspective of like where somebody else is coming from gives me a way to just kind of see them better, know them better, understand that my- I have my own blind spots that I have to be on top of and aware of or else we get cuckoo for cocoa puffs yeah and then who wants to be around that (laughs) and we talked a lot about how it's great for um relationships uh which as i'm talking like i'm sure there are people out there gonna be like oh that's you know can't be that easy or can't be that pat but the fact is that the business world and you know the cia has you know gone off with a shot um yeah because i think you know 
and, 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 you know, to the credit, I am, you know, good at my job and INTPs, I think it literally, it says sales is the worst thing ever <laughs> for an INTP. Um, so, you know, I think again, things can change, but overall, you know, if you're a boss and you are, um, when my, when my boss started reading about the Enneagram specifically last year, it like blew his mind. Um, and it was incredibly, I think helpful in how he sees us and, and, and leads us. Hmm. Um, but I think also in, in certain jobs, it's just really clear what personality type is going to thrive naturally do well. So I think, you know, with me, I'm very good at my job, but it takes a huge toll. Um, you know, that I am like emotionally exhausted at the end of the day. And, you know, it's hard for me to speak (laughs) sometimes. Um, so there's a lot, I have to work a lot harder to be good and happy with what Mm. I do because it is not the way you're built. No. Intrinsically. If when we start selling things over text, I think I'll be really good at that. Oh God, please. No. (laughs) (laughs) A timeshare over text. Yeah. 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 Hey, would you like to go on a cruise? Right. Um, so yeah. So I think, I think, you know, learning more about your family, I think it's been really good for some of my friends kind of understanding their kids, you know, so you're not kind of expecting everyone to act like you or to look like you mm-hmm. or, you know, the golden rule. It's like doing others is how you'd have them doing to you. But the problem is that not everyone's like you No, and, no. So, and that will set you up for a world of, of hurt. failure. Yeah, yeah. So I think hand in hand with this is the love languages are mm. really, really, um, valuable. Yeah. Uh, in terms of understanding kind of, again, putting words to these mysteries of relationships that, that, that we're fighting and we don't know what we're fighting about because we don't know that we don't feel love because we don't know how it is that we love or love others. And so again, when you can start laying words to those things, operating on two different wavelengths and you're like, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me? Yeah. Because you're not giving me what I need. What I need is. So what, what are your top how would you rank your love languages? Man, I haven't thought about that in a really long time. So there's um, words of affirmation, acts of service. So I know that my outgoing are very different from my incoming. Okay. And I think it's important that people know that the way those, yeah, those can be different. They're very different. So let me think about mine. What are yours though? Um, my, oh, I bet we could do each other's. Okay. Um, okay. I think your, so um, quality time is number two. Um, the first one might surprise you. Uh, I don't know. Is it, is it words of affirmation? Physical touch. Ew, gross. I know. Would you like me to pat your knee awkwardly? I would like you to give me a hug. Right now? No. Okay, good. But just in general, <laughs> sometimes I get like one hug. On you know, COVID's been really great for me and not having right. to touch people. It's been... <laughs> I mean, I, I've been talking about this bubble around me for a decade, but now I actually really got to have one. You got to have one. Yeah, it's been, I've been preparing for a long time. It's actually funny because I was going to mention at the top of this and I forgot, but in a COVID bubble, I have kind of a handful of people that I would see and you're like actually in that bubble thing mm-hmm. of, I mean, I've been here a handful of times and that's like, Gabriel, you have to hug Dana later. <sighs> my god uh yeah physical touch i think is and then yeah quality time is really Mm -hmm. the main one with friends it's like i really care that people would want to like 
I don't care about gifts. I don't care about mm-hmm. any blah, blah, blah. I mean, I want them all. I want all of them. Yeah. But really what I want is just to like be around you. I don't have to do, we don't have to do anything like big. It's just kind of like, I like to. I'm a big fan of um, silent quality time. Silent quality time. I like that a lot, which is. That's a huge place to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I really start that way with everyone. <laughs> No, you don't. I'm not afraid of <laughs> I can check my phone while you're in the room. <laughs> That's quality time. Yeah. I um, know. So I think you're going to be shocked by my number one. Okay. Um, acts of service. Actually, I don't know if that is number one. And I guess mine has caveats as with every INTP, um, which is in a uh, romantic colleague relationship, my yeah. number one is touch. Okay. But I don't like touching or being touched by anyone other than that person. one person. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, Obama could definitely hug me. I, he could hug yeah. anybody. Yeah. The entire cast of Parks and Rec can also hit it. But <clears throat> um, other than that, yeah. It's right. Much it. Yeah. Much <laughs> um, so that's really, really important. Um, my outgoing is gifts. I love mm-hmm. trying to find perfect things for people. Um, so my dad was big on that. Um, so my outgoing is probably gifts. Um, um, my last in everything is quality time. That is dead last in giving and receiving. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes quality time is like, why do you hate me? Not Dana, but with certain other <laughs> situations where I'm in, I'm like, oh, God. You want me to hang out with you? <laughs> no. I'd rather send you a gift card. Please. I know. Please. But I won't settle for that. I will pick you up from the airport. I'll help you move. But I... I've helped you move on more than one occasion. Yeah, I mean, not um, But I... But I, I... I like all of them. I try to be affirming because um, I try to... As soon as I think something good about somebody. I try to just say it. I think that's one thing that I've kind of learned through various personality structures is that everyone likes that. So Mm -hmm. I try to do that. Um, acts of service. I definitely appreciate. I really, really love when people help me do things and I, Uh and I help people do things. Um, and then what's the one that I always forget there's touch, there's gifts, there's quality time, there's acts of service, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation and gifts. It's all of them. Yeah. Five. I like all of them, but one. Physical touch? No. Oh. Quality time. Quality time. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. And also, I don't like being touched by anyone other than the cast of Parks and Recreation. <clears throat> Has that happened to you um, previously? Not yet. Not yet. I'm holding hoping. out hope? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming for me. Anne. Sweet Anne. Mm-hmm. Oh, Leslie, nope. She's the best. I missed her. Yeah. She is the goat. For sure. I think I'm aging into a cross between Ron Swanson and April Lidgate. That's a, it's an admirable place to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be? Leslie Nope, the most ESFJ of all time. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is a clear, <laughs> clear, she can do it all. Probably, but a little bit of an end too. I think she does. She definitely has sort of a long-standing vision, um, but very great at seeing everything and mm-hmm. good gift giver too. I aspire. There is, yeah, to be at that level. Yeah. A Leslie Nope level of gift giving. Yeah. Yeah. We should, like, do waffles and whipped cream. I have, I think, both those things. Okay. Um, I know you have whipped cream. Yeah. yeah. So, Enneagram, my, yeah. my beef with Enneagram, 
um, has lessened. I just, I think that, and I guess your Enneagram type, we already said was a five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where Myers-Briggs has percentages and I always ask people like, well, what are your percentages? You know, of your E or I or this or that, um, they have the wings, but I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times, uh, they disregard the NS and so they'll lump an ISFJ and an INFJ in together. Um, and I, that's how they do the wings. Like the wings kind of get them out of that a little bit. Um, but I do think that the emotional language around Enneagram is much greater. Um, that a Myers-Briggs book is a little bit more cerebral. Um, whereas Enneagram definitely has a spiritual and sort of emotionally logical and, and very um, heavy therapy bent, I think, towards an Enneagram, which mm-hmm. I, I definitely see that being really valuable. Yeah. I think it really also takes into account kind of how I was saying, like how, how we are cultured and how we have been cultured, like nurture versus nature. And some of those things that have come up with us as we have grown up, we are going to be kind of sorting out life as we go. And so having, I think a clear lens of maybe some of the ways that we didn't get what we need. And so like, as we're adults, we're trying to always trying to like make up for some of those things and they present themselves in so many different, they can present themselves in so many different facets. And how do we understand like, you know, like every single human is like their end goal is to be known and to be loved and to be seen. And we're all trying to get that through various avenues in various ways. And so what my boss really liked about the Enneagram was figuring out everyone's sort of like the basic question or, or I don't know if it was the, the basic need. So uh-huh. mine is to be um, useful mm-hmm. and that's incredibly important for me. So I've taken jobs just based on the fact that like there's a need there. Right. Um, and I want to, you know, the point of me kind of gathering the information is so that I can have an answer for somebody, even though that answer is typically multifaceted. Um, so I think, I think that's an interesting conversation to have is, you know, what is sort of that basic question? Like, I think my romantic colleagues is, um, am I valuable? I think that's what a question that a five or three, three, three asks is, am I valuable? Yep. And so I know one of the things that, um, that one of the reasons I think why that personality type would like mine is because, uh, they feel like I bestow on them value because I am so persnickety and so sort of like picky and, and, but I've chosen you, but I've chosen you. So they feel like validated. Right. Yeah. Um, so I I think that's always just kind of when you, and that's something that Myers-Briggs doesn't really touch on. Yeah. They don't touch on that. Um, so that's a really neat conversation to have in terms of sometimes I think maybe why a relationship doesn't work is that the basic question or your basic need in life it's not being met. Correct. So I think like my boss. Is or you a, don't even know it. Yeah. My boss is a one. And so his, mm-hmm. his thing is to be right or, to, or to be like moral or something. Mm-hmm. Justice and right and wrong. The reformer, right. everything is like very clear and that they want, they cannot be wrong. What so. person I took would one be? Is that Myers-Briggs? Yeah. Well, I think they're definitely a TJ. So, INTJ? In, INTJ? Yeah. I think maybe an INTJ. I have very strong opinions about INTJs. I know. We'll save that for another episode. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, so that question wouldn't be a good one for me to to wrestle with another person because... You don't give a... You no. do not. No. You also, live in the gray. Yeah. yeah. You're wearing gray. 
I, your, my soul is your gray. Your soul is gray. My perfect sky is gray. Yeah. Um, so I think somebody who struggles with um, this overarching sort of, and I don't want to say like moral superiority because that, that sounds bad, but but somebody who will struggle with like the right and the wrong, I just don't, that that just would not jive with me at all because then we'd have to have conversations about, are you ever right? Are you ever wrong? Like, how do you, how do you intake that? How do you put it back out? So that wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. So his partner is the helper is an, uh, ISFP or ISFJ. And that's the supporter and Mm -hmm. that works, you know, they can kind of lift him up. Right. So going back to kind of like the date hacking thing, the date hacking thing. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really seen as much with like the Enneagram as far as like date hacking in a sense of like, I mean, they say like every number, I mean, and it's true for Myers-Briggs. I mean, technically any person can work with somebody else. It's like having Mm -hmm. that awareness and what you're going to do to make something work. Cause we all have the capacity to choose in the things that we want to do. And that's going to take sacrifice no matter what. But I think like having that, that those parameters of like knowing actually what you want, knowing who you are, knowing actually what you want. And then actually like having like the boldness to like look at somebody for what it, for what it is. Like, I know there's like, you know, probably in the beginning you're hot and heavy and all these, you know, emotions are very blinding, but if, if you are looking for somebody that would be a long-term partner, then it has, you know, like you have to take like really honest looks at, you know, like what you want out of life. Like, am I going to be able to meet these needs, you know, from, from the, their perspective and knowing what they are. I think that's a huge part of the battle is to say like, okay, if you're a three, then I really like, I want to support you. And I want to like, Mm -hmm. I want you to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I want you to feel loved by me. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like I, for an eight, like I want to feel protected and that someone's going to like stand up for me or respond or stick with me, stick by me. That's like incredibly important aspect in relationships and in friendships in general. And, and, um, having that capacity to know, what I, what I am looking for, what I would want is, uh, I think been really helpful. And, and I kind of feel like somewhat like we were talking about before, you know, some people say like opposites attract and I don't feel like as much for myself. I'm like an eight wing nine. And so as much as I'm like, you know, I want something exciting or, you know, people want something exciting. They want something different. They want something that's going to like pull them out of what they are. I kind of want somebody that is going to, um, one of my big, you know, for eights, one of our biggest fears is, um, I'm too much, right. An eight is just want, they want everything. They want to experience it all. They want, they're, they're very, they can be very intense and, um, they will push until they get what they want. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not a good thing. Um, you know, ENTJs are the only people that the uh, CIA allows to be field agents. Um, field agents? Mm-hmm. Spies. Spies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am scared slash thrilled at the like idea of being a spy. Yeah. Whereas an INTP would be like the person in your ear who's 
well, actually, I'm really bad at directions, so I don't think I should be the one telling you left No, and but right, they're the but ones that have the making, knowledge. Maybe I'd be making the, the cool gimmicks, the cool gadgets. <laughs> right. This lipstick turns into a gun. Uh-huh. Sounds great. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think ENT, well, first of all, I think anytime you're a woman who is a T, that's a whole lot of drama right there yeah. for everyone else. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? How dare you be assertive and Have not your smiley. own opinions. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you constantly smiling? And not take no. I remember when the first time my boss is like, you know, Kate, you should smile more. And I was like, I'm sorry, did you just tell me to smile? It's 2020. Yeah, and he's right? like, well, I, I also tell Ches to smile. I was like, I'm sorry, do you just tell my black coworker to smile more? So the woman and the black guy, those are the ones that have to smile more. And he was like, okay, okay. noted. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think, uh, so I also think that one really helpful tool is when you figure out what you are, or what your partner is, um, I'm sure, I don't know, I think Enneagram probably has this, but Myers-Briggs has, you know, uh, ENTJs in distress. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I I was dating an INFJ several years ago, and and when I kind of printed out INFJs in distress, it um, was helpful in in having me recognize signs of like his kind of depression and things that he was struggling with, like sort of these these fixations. And um, so I think it also, once again, gives language to these shifts in our behavior, um, um, that can also help us or help when we're in relationships that are starting to go south. Sideways. Yeah. Yeah. So I know with, um, the person I'm in a relationship with, uh, approval is really important and he knows he has my approval, but sort of like business approval, you know, his, his job, coworkers or, or, you know, his sphere of influence, it's important that he, um, is liked and respected and is thought of as, as doing well. So I've, I kind of have in the back of my head, like if he's talking about other folks or what other people are doing or projects that they're working on a little bit too much, um, it's like a flag for me to go, Ooh, that, that could be getting, that's, that's getting close to your fear. That could be Mm -hmm. triggering a little bit of depression or anxiety. Um, so again, one of those things to just kind of know, even though that's not how I work, um, I want to make sure I've got the tools to have the healthiest, happiest little ENFTJ. Mm -hmm. Because the ultimate goal, right, is to love people well. And that's what I think these tools help me to do in that way. So yeah, for me in that sense, like... I think it's interesting to to think about finding someone that is more similar than not, which is hard hard to find. And Myers Briggs says that you they they make the habit anyone can be with anyone, but that they recommend that it is important that ends with ends, s's with s's, and then they say everything else should be different. And I think the best relationship I've seen has pretty much been where everything's the same except for the J and the P, hmm. um, which is you know. Uh, and remember the, this is a quick reminder, the J's are folks that are very more so together and organized and, and gather information to make a decision. And P's are open, a little bit messier, uh, in taking information. So I being a P would never want to date another P. Um, I definitely appreciate mm-hmm. folks that have it, have it together. Yeah. Mostly so I don't have to pretend, but I do. (laughs) 
But if you put me in, but when I'm around one of my best friends, Jenna, who's an ENFP, I will have to turn into a J just because someone's Someone's got to do it. Right. Someone's got to make the decision, bring order to the situation. But I don't want to do it. But you have to do it. Right. Right. So in that, I don't mind. Um, you know, but then when Jen, our other best friend is around, I turn into a big baby. Because <laughs> she'll she's take got over. It. Yes, and I'm she'll very happy. Over. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think, you know, um, I think the, the best relationships I've seen have been, you know, my close friends, uh, INFJ, you know, and an INFP. Like, that's a great match. ENFJ and ENFP, that's a great mm-hmm. match. Um, my, you know, INTP, ENTJ, like, that would be probably, you know, I he's pretty close to it, but that's, that's a great match. So for Which you, one with the knee and TJ, me, nah, and, yes. And yes. <laughs> um, whereas I think, you know, for you uh, being with, um, ENTPs are, uh, have very dubious qualities. So I wouldn't necessarily think that you should be with an ENTP, but, right. um, another ENTJ or, you know, an INTJ, they're an interesting breed. Um, no, I stay away from them. They're awful. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the worst. <laughs> they're not the worst. No, no, they are. They are not the worst. Objectifiably the worst. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it's it's the more similar you are, probably the better off, but with a few caveats, a few differences. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want like a mirror of myself. Yeah. But I feel like I do want to find somebody that like can handle me and kind of know somewhat what it's like to kind of live in my head and my world and not be overwhelmed by it and not feel like it's too too much in that sense. Be able to kind of push back gently with kindness, you know, not like I don't want somebody who's, and I don't, you know, like I don't think either that I, I, I always have to keep in check how I, you know, communicate and respond to people when I am in places of frustration. Cause people make me frustrated sometimes. And, and that face doesn't lie. No. Mm. Nope. I used to get in trouble as a kid for my facial reactions. Like I would Stone just cold. Yep. Same. I would it really piss would people off. Get into some mm-hmm. serious trouble with my parents. And I was like, well, it is what it is. So tough yeah. luck. Good luck with that. My poor stepmother was, is an ENFP. And, um, I remember she would just be going nuts and I would, I think I was like 13 and I would just kind of stare at her and say, are you done being childish? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go very well. Did you get sent to your room? Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. Uh huh. Are you told two minutes. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. So I hope that we have successfully sold folks on the benefits of, um, going and taking a test or having some of your loved ones. If you're in a rocky relationship, mm-hmm. or if you're in a great relationship, um, I think it's just a neat way of, you know, we, we study jobs, we study health, we study brands before we buy it. Um, but we don't always kind of study people objectively. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think some of these are a great way to do it. Um, a great way to get, and it's the idea of, of hacking something of kind of shortcutting and, and being able to get some information up front that you may need. You know, what's really interesting. You saying all of this for all of the time that we've been talking, I just realized you're five and fives 
can be kind of very detached, obviously, from their emotions. And so you're like, yeah, you, we should research our relationships and research. Like, you have done that pretty successfully several times. And you have the you have the capacity to step back before you have stepped into some very like serious relationships and to be able to have that forethought. And like the five is wanting to gather information all the time. Their knowledge is power. Right. And so somewhat in a sense of you having a superpower of not having emotions get in the way in a sense of, and that's not everyone's like strength or capacity. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, hasn't been on my radar until probably the last couple of years, but, but but then I say, I also think that's one of the reasons why you should do it is that I don't even want to let myself get into the point where I'm falling in emotions for someone who I know is going to be not the person in a perfect world. Kate, we're not all you. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) Having that would be such a huge tool. I think, yeah, to be able to, take emotion out of it or speaking of tools, stay away from INTJs. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess there's gotta be some honorable INTJs out there. They're not too far from an ENTJ. So you better be careful. Hey, I mean, so, I'm INTP. We're one letter away. Right. Um, no, honor's not a problem with INTJs. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a, again, a great way of, of being able to gather some information and about yourself and about others mm-hmm. to use it effectively. Yeah. Well, I think that we have effectively like exhausted, um, those few topics. Yeah. I mean, technically I could talk forever about it, but, uh, the last thing that we usually talk about on this podcast is one of my most favorite topics is rest in the ways that we step back from the world, um, renew, discover, play, just have time to shut off our brains and um, have time to just be renewed so that we can offer our best selves to the world. And what are some rhythms of rest in your life or what are times that you feel kind of most rested, most yourself? Um, I... Silence probably has a lot to do with it. You know, I don't listen to a lot of music or podcasts or radio um, because, you know, I I don't want to hear voices after a certain point or anything. So I think silence can be important for me. And then I think uh, being able to have sort of healthy escapism. Um, so reading, um, mm-hmm. designing, um, anything that where I can kind of be away from everything else is going to be rest for me and pretty important. Um, silent quality time is very restful and very impactful for me when I can mm. be with somebody and share something with them, but not necessarily be, um, dialoguing the whole time. Correct. Uh, and then I'm a big fan of sleep as you know, that is my favorite yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm come, come 9 PM and sheets right. and different beds and I pillow I, toppers, pillow toppers, you know? Yeah. I, I, the science of sleep is something I'm very interested in. Um, so I think that's an important thing to kind of figure out what gives you rest and to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, reading is a huge portion of that and it can be books um, I kind of got back onto a reading thing recently, but, um, magazine articles, you know, whatever it is that that's going to be your favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, it would probably be turning off my mind by putting it in a different direction. 
Your home is filled with books, as is your mind. You mm. had not one, but two bookcases custom built in your home for books. And I'm running out. Do you have a, a guesstimate of how many books are in this home? Man, like, I don't. And I donated about a hundred or so. I got rid of a ton. Yeah. Um, I, like I really don't 400? know. I have no clue. You have no clue. Right. But, and this is the edited version. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But I really... Yeah, I can't. And, I, and you do libraries. I can't do it. I can't give it back. Uh-huh. It has to stay. It's a friend. Yeah. One, I don't have the book budget that you do. And two, I also don't have the room yeah. to store this many books. You have quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So they're on top of my <clears throat> kitchen counters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on, on my bar, on bar carts. They're in bar carts. They're in TV consoles. They're on the console by the door. Yeah, I've had to make them a design element because I just can't get a, I can't get, get They're on literally them. your dining room table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got some good they fun off of there. They are under your television. Mm-hmm. Um, Remember back in the day, I used to keep them in the stove? Mm-hmm. I never used that. So... <laughs> I'm like, gosh, <clears throat> now I always use that. I would love cooking so much. Do you have any um, words of wisdom or MO that you live your life by? No. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. Nice to know you. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, We love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties. So if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation? 